it's your homegirl nausea now i could not wait to put something here on the podcast you guys have been so supportive we got like three thousand downloads already and an episode is not even out so what i've decided to do because i, I just i literally cannot wait until tuesday when it's actually supposed to come out i'm sharing with you a very personal interview that i did with the pompeo family um i was one of their experts on a blended family series that they did and i was like you know what i was going back listening to the foot to the uh, audio and i'm sitting here super hype i just listened to it so i'm talking out loud and fast right now i just listened to it because i'm dropping some really some real gems in there i'm sharing my personal story with you and it kind of gives you a little bit of insight on to into who i am and my why why i'm so passionate about this so enjoy the podcast and i'll see you all next week thank you so much to everyone that's already subscribed and uh yeah enjoy 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 and i love you so Najwa, welcome thank you so much for joining us today thank you michael thank you lynn for having me i'm excited Aww. yay i'm so excited too well i just want us to jump right in and so i'd love to hear more about your story how did you even get into starting blended in black and becoming an author like how did you get into this and what's your background well, um, I, st- I got into it not voluntarily. Um, I've, I fell in love with a guy who had three kids. And I was one of these girls that promised myself I would never date a man with kids. I'm single. I got it going on. I live in Manhattan, sex in the city. And then boom, um, you know, that guy became this guy. And mm-hmm. all of those nevers became um, things that were major life lessons for me. I ate my words, essentially. I started doing this work because it became my real life. I was surrounded in conflict and drama and nastiness and unhealed emotions. And I've never seen anything like this. My parents are still married. My husband's parents are still married. And here I am dating, at that time, dating a divorced dad whose family had been devastated by this thing because divorce is essentially the death of an original family unit. So boom, there's five of them. This thing crumbles. Um, What was happening in my own situation is they didn't find a, a, there was no healthy way to reconcile. This is my life without family looking the way that I had planned it. And then here comes boom, my little cute behind thinking I'm just gonna be invited into, into the party. Like, hey guys, Miss Naja's here. And that wasn't the case at all. They let me know that I was not welcome. I was not intended to be there, um, nor was I invited. And it was hard. It was tough. Uh, I'm a step parent, step parent of three, one teenager and set of twins. And the first thing that I started to notice is that the parents in this thing, and my husband was responsible too, just as much as, as, as the co parent. He was responsible too. The parents did not handle the divorce or the dissolution of this family in the best interest of the of the kids because yeah. let's be straight i mean people aren't taught how to break up right. we're not taught how to handle heartbreak we're not taught how to um deal with mental illness and personality disorders and so all of these things that i was starting to experience in my own life led me to google which led me to realize there weren't that many resources out there for me it just weren't i mean i saw my pastor he told me to pray it away. God bless him. I saw a therapist and no offense, but this guy, could, I could not relate to him in any way, shape, form or fashion. So I, I didn't feel a connection. And so he couldn't help me. Um, and so I did what a woman does. I built 
I studied, I got advanced education, I got certified, I gave away my 15,000 free hours of working, coaching, teaming up with people, and I built something. So that's how I got here. That's how I'm sitting here with you guys right now. Wow. I love that. And then so, wow. And that's, I love that you, it's not just something that maybe you were just, I don't know, randomly interested in, but it's actually like, it was a huge need of your own to have help. Mm -hmm. And so you saw a need and you just wanted to start filling it, right? And uh, the best things are birthed that way. Like when you realize I need this thing and you have this sense of personal responsibility to say, there's a, there's a gap, there's something missing. And instead of being like, someone needs to do something about it. What I hear from you is you're just like, I'm gonna fill that need and I'm gonna be the one. And I really can respect and appreciate that about yeah. about you and what you're up to. It's just awesome. Thank yeah. you. you yeah. used your life as, your life was your laboratory, I've heard people say, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. they say the, the best inventions come from necessity. You know, I felt like I was in the bottom of a dark well all alone by myself and I had the tools to build this ladder to get myself up to the top um and you know it, years and experience and education taught me how to piece it together and once I got myself up to the top back above water I was like I'm pulling everybody out I will quit yeah. being a life coach when everybody's pulled out of that dark well of family dissolution and I'm yeah. gonna be busy for a long time because that ain't happening anytime soon yeah unfortunately not yeah no. I think so many people face that same uh, situation that it feels like you faced and we did where you just kind of assume that, hey, I'm a good person. Uh, you know, I love people. I, I bet I'll be able to figure this out. And you go, you go, you look inside or you think through things or you go to your pastors or whoever, you try these different resources and nothing's really working. And then you, then you get angry or uh, you're resentful or just hopeless and depressed. And then you start telling yourself, well, it just has to be this way. And you stop looking for ways to actually improve it. And so yeah. that's one of the that's reasons we, we, yeah, that's what we did. And so that's one of the reasons we're doing this is because we want people to see that, no, 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 you don't necessarily have to accept where it is right now. There is a chance for it to change and improve. And there are experts out there who, who use their life as a laboratory and have done the studies, you know, to, to really make sure that you get the help you actually need. So that's why we're so like excited because we've been there yeah. Uh, yeah. not knowing where to turn. So anyway, okay. So back to your book. So you wrote Girl by uh, she's not going anywhere and neither are you. I love the title. Um, so it's so uh, long. So, oh my gosh, should have made it shorter. It's so long. Well, no, that's great. I love it though. <laughs> it's good, man. So because you already kind of get a sense of okay, what what you what it might be about. But you know, help us get a sense of you know maybe some of the key takeaways that you really wanted people to get um, from the book. Of course, people need to go and read it to get the fullness of it, but. You know, what are some things that on your heart, it, this is your message really in there. What, what would you say that is? Um, so girl by, she's not going anywhere. Neither are you. You can tell by the she that it's a manuscript meant for women. I wish I would have included uh, the stepdads and the biological fathers as well. But at the time, um, my major, the, 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 the client that I needed to service the most was women because I was getting these mothers and uh, these stepmothers just angry, like literally cats and dogs. It's yeah. a mom and a stepmom. It's kind of like that Tom and Jerry. And, you know, we probably got millennials watching this. So they, I don't know if they know who that is, but it's like a cats and dogs type of thing. You're automatically assumed to be natural enemies, natural mm -hmm. enemies. And so a lot of women, a lot of stepmothers come in guarded thinking, well, I know I need to be, um, treat these kids like my own, but I need to stay in my lane because they're not mine. And the mother's like, who the hell do you think you are, honey? I don't mm -hmm. need your help. You just, you know, so um, 
these women did not know how to coexist. And so what the book, it actually started off as a book, but then I had to make it a workbook. Because I was like, I don't want these girls just reading. I need them out there doing the work. Me, right. my form of coaching is, I made it so that the people that don't hire me as a coach can get a feel for what it is like to work with me and working mm -hmm. with me is work i give homework i hold you accountable um we talk about childhood trauma we talk about why you handle things the way you do i also mm -hmm. kind of push people to see the other woman's perspective which is something that's very difficult for a lot of people because they're so focused on their pain this is what's mm -hmm. happening to me and i hurt the most it's kind of like a pissing contest for who's the most hurt and in the book, I'm kind of dispelling a lot of that. Like, listen, do you, if you want to be okay, then you'll get the book. And if you finish the book, then you're committed to that. Um, yeah. So, but I will say this, it is interchangeable with guys, but I don't know if guys are going to sit and fill out an interactive workbook because also with it, I realized that, you know what, Naja, writing a book wasn't enough. Make it a workbook. Making a workbook wasn't enough. So then I did videos for every chapter. So just like wow. I'm sitting here talking to you guys right now, I went through all the pages because I was like, I want this to be for people that care about their families and about their sanity and they want to be okay. So there's a chat, there's a video, like 20 minute video for every chapter. And people are sitting there and I get emails every day like, oh my God, Naja, I feel like I know you because I'm yelling and cussing and I'm being myself in that thing. But then I'm also offering... Uh, real solutions because that's what people want. They're thirsty for, for help and solutions. Yeah. And they're thirsty. Oh, for and I'll say this. It's not a book that's teaching mothers and stepmothers how to get along because mm -hmm. if you have one person in that co-mothering relationship or co-parenting relationship that's dead set on being divisive, then it's not going to work. You won't have a co-parent. In some cases, many of us have counter parents. So the book is more about teaching you how to see the other person's perspective so that they don't piss you off so much so that they you don't allow them to trigger you so much. You know, yeah. you, you can say the book it entices you to look in their past childhood trauma and maybe mm -hmm. make some assumptions about why they are the way they are. Maybe fighting and cursing is um, a familial thing for them. Maybe this is what they saw in their family unit. And so this is all they know. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it teaches you about perspective as well. Mm. Love that. It sounds like a good reminder that you just truly can't control people. Yeah. And so, you know, as much as there might be some great tools to help you um, invite someone to do something different, that's all you can do. You can't control them. So if they decline, then you're still left with, okay, how am I going to respond? Am I going to let them bump me out of my own peace and out of my own character? Or do I want to maintain character, maintain peace, right? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Is like how to still... That's exactly that's exactly what I'm getting at you know one of my clients um she was a stepmother and she she was like Naja I she became a client because she read the book and she was like I gotta I gotta have you every day or every week you know whatever and um she was like I bought the book for my stepdaughter's mother and she burned it <laughs> she was, like, <laughs> she was <laughs> like she burned it and she threw it so you cannot force like you can't force feed a person help you can't do that but you can't help yourself yeah. so yeah that's what it's about wow <laughs> crazy right good, i was like good luck with that honey yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because as a stepmom one of the things that i learned just from these interviews that we've been doing over the past couple of months is how much of a of a fantasy i had about you know, blending our families together and we're all going to get together for birthday parties and mm -hmm. Christmas and we're all going to be laughing together and taking family photos. Yeah. 
And the fact that it wasn't that way, I put on myself. Like there's something I'm doing or not doing that's having this relationship not go the way I fantasized about it. And letting go of that, like Mary Poppins ideal that it has to be that way and for me to be seen as a good person. And yeah. it's like, I, you know, sometimes you really do all that you can do and then some. If mm. you're reading books, if you're coming to online shows to become a, an extraordinary co-parent, you're doing all that you can do. And I just want anybody who's out there feeling like how I felt, which is down on myself about it, that sometimes there's really that you've done all that you can do mm. and you're doing, you're doing everything just by being in the work, you know? Mm. And so I don't know if you can relate to that, Naja, but that's- Oh my I'm God. Like that. Yeah. I kind of because um you know as the second wife or stepmother or the new woman as some people like to call it, call it you have a certain insight into that woman's history that she doesn't have into yours because your man has told you a lot of her teeth he's told you about some of their experiences he's told you how what type of mother she is what type of partner she was so you kind of know and me coming into it I knew I knew that um, it was going to be a firestorm. But even considering the things that I knew about that person and their background, I still did not think it would be the way that it was. Yeah. And I say was not because she has changed, but because I have had to change. Um, I noticed, like you said, you had expectations. Like, hey, guys, I'm Lynn. I'm so cute. I'm here. We got him stepmom. They're like, bitch, we didn't invite you to this party, Lynn. Yeah. And I had to really look at that. Like, if you have a woman who had her entire life planned out with your husband. That is the father of my children. We're going to have a house together. We're going to retire together. We're probably going to go to Fiji one year. We're saving up for this vacation. And boom, this life falls apart. She had this whole thing planned, and she just never had you or me or whomever's watching. She didn't have you. He or she did not have you planned as a part of their big picture. And that takes a lot of unraveling. Most people yeah. don't have the capacity to unravel that stuff. And so mm -hmm. you are like a walking, living, breathing reminder of their life's failures. Every mm -hmm. single plan that they had, you. You are a, a living, breathing thing that is a representation of their failure. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they're pissed off. And wow. they have to find a circle. It's not your responsibility. They got to find a circle to help pull them out of that. Just like I had to pull myself, you guys have resources. Um, they can either fester in the funk of the dissolution of their life, or they can find some help. But like I said, most people, most people do, don't really want help because getting help means you kind of got to own up to some stuff that you did. Like, yeah. well, we were going to have this house, this beach house in Fiji, or we're going to take a vacation to Fiji, but I spent all the money. Or I had a drug problem, or I had mental health issues and I didn't get it worked on. Or I cheated. Like, Facing that ugly truth of accountability to things that I did, um, that's just, that's too hard. So let's just be easy. Let's just make it, I'm going to hate this new person and I'm going to hate my ex. Yeah. I don't even know if that answered a question, but yeah. Like, oh, good. It kind of leads. Good. No, it's, it's perfect. And I mean, obviously, just from what you're sharing, I could, I, I'm getting a sense that you're husband's ex may have it may be more of a high conflict situation than maybe you wanted it to be um and i could get a sense that you've dealt with that so what would you say what do you have any advice for parents out there that are dealing with a high conflict situation like what can people do to make their lives work if they're dealing with that 
Oh my God. Living alongside a counter parent, because I can't call them a co-parent because they're countering everything you do. Um, you know how you have a gnat that's buzzing in your ear? No, no, no. Okay. You know how you have a bee and bees sting and they hurt. And then, you know, you're afraid to kind of swat it because bees are tricky. I don't know if you guys have had a bee sting, but it hurts. Kind of like divorce. Like it stings. It hurts. It takes a while to dispel it. Okay, boom. You smack that bee, you're done with it. The bee comes back in the form of a fly. And flies, they come and sit on your food and they bite you and they have these little like itchy bumps. Okay, boom. You swat the fly and you kill it. Then a gnat. Then this gnat appears. And gnats are little. They're not not as harmful as a bee because they don't sting you. Um, They're not going to be like a fly because they don't have this buzzing noise that's constant. But then this gnat, you know it's there. You know it's annoying. You know it's not really that harmful because you've dealt with bigger monsters, bigger insects. I'm using an insect analogy. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you know it's there. And so then you kind of either swat it when it gets in your way or you do things to protect yourself from it. Well, that's what, this is what I tell people to do. When you're in any sort of high conflict situation, whether it's a co-parent, a co-worker, whatever, you kind of just got to see this person as a gnat. Now, you can allow them to be a bee in your life, but this mm-hmm. means you have not done a proper job of setting up boundaries for yourself. Mm-hmm. So boundaries, number one, um, this person is not a thorn in my side. They don't have to be a thorn in your side. But I see it as, you know, like a little annoying, buzzing little gnat. You're just like, get out of here, you know? Um, Just make this thing so small. Visualize it being so small and so powerless in your own mind. Um, That's the first thing that I would tell you to do. You don't see this person as a formidable opponent because they're not. Because a person that's constantly trying to attack you and keep your children from you and steal from you and change the way others perceive you, they're not a healthy person. They're still full of vengeance. So they're so focused on vengeance that they can't focus on being an effective human being, let alone a parent or a co-parent. So you got to see them for what they really are, the small buzzing annoyance. And once you silence that in your own head, and I'm not going to say convince yourself of it because it's, it's a truth in your life. But once you come to understand that, then you're well on your way to healing. And then the second thing is you got to set some boundaries. If this person is getting on your nerves or pissing you off or being disrespectful, um, why are they allowed to contact you? Why are they allowed to call your phone, you know, block them? Um, one thing about a narcissistic personality or a disordered personality of any kind is they hate boundaries. But if you usher them into a, a small corner, like if they have this much of your brain space to play with and you put them there, then they're just going to cause havoc right there. So give their behinds a little small space. And you do that by blocking them from calling your phone or texting your phone. You say, hey, I'm no longer, because of your nature, I'm no longer going to accept phone calls or text messages uh, from you. Email me at this place. And then create a specific email address just for them so you can filter that crap so it's not in your inbox every day so you're not seeing it. That's really And even better, if you want to be cute about it, you go to court. And you ask to ask the judge to make an order that they only communicate you through one of the parenting apps. Um, My Family Wizard is a good one. Talking Parent is a good one. And I'm not sponsored by any of these people, so I'll name them all. Uh, (laughs) They have parenting apps that are upheld through the courts. And if you put boundaries on this person and they know the judge could possibly see all this crap that they spew, they're going to stop. You got to make the, if they don't want to be a gnat, you got to make them a gnat. 
put them in that small little space. Mm. It's really good because there's so many times where I felt like I had no control Mm. because you never know when you're going to get the phone call or the text message and you could be in a, just a happy state and you're with your family and your kids. And then the text comes in and as much as I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to read it. Like you kind of want to read it. Like, what is it? And then you read it. And then, you know, it's just, you, I felt at the effect of a lot of times. Mm. And so what I'm hearing you say is set your life up in such a way where you can be in control. You decide when you're going to read it, you decide what you're going to, you know? And so mm. I, I like that. And I think that's really, really good advice for people. It's very practical. Yeah. Something that they can do. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love the practical uh, tips that it sounds like you lean towards being highly, uh, applicable in, right. in the principles that you walk people through, which I love because that's, it's that's smart. Funny. Yeah, you, you, people, you got to do the work. If you want to, if you want to regulate something in your life, whether it's your weight, um, heart disease, uh, a high conflict co-parents, you got to do the work to regulate that thing. So, yeah, you know, I give practical stuff, but then it's like, you got to do it. You know, yeah. you guys, you have to, you people out there, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. So you're in this, um, so you're in, you know, well, you just were describing how to respond to high conflict people. So as a co-parent, you have all these other relationships as well, like with the kids themselves, with your ma- the person you're married to, the, even the extended family, all these people that are now uh, you're having to maintain healthy or build healthy relationships with. So I'm wondering, in a larger sense, is there some kind of core philosophy that has really aided you? In, that that overlaps into all these relationships for you. It's just a core commitment or philosophy that you kind of that guides you through all of those uh, relationships. Anything mm-hmm. like that? Um, excuse my French, <laughs> but I'm gonna say, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. And I was telling myself, Naja, don't be a jerk. And by being a jerk means when I was like, you know, Lynn, you would say you would see something, you'd be having a great day, and then boom, you get a text message and your anxiety goes through the roof. I didn't even know that I had issues with anxiety until this situation. Like, I feel like I had marriage onset anxiety, if that's a thing, I might need to go and trademark it. But Uh yeah, like, you know, like blending onset anxiety or something, so I didn't know it was a thing. Um, So my philosophy was nausea, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk, Be, be kind. And, and by don't be a jerk, I mean, don't allow this person that's projecting their pain onto you to gaslight you into hurting them. Because I see me fighting, for example, let's just say you have a very high conflict ex. High conflict people are people that are in pain, that are empty, and they are projecting all their crap onto you. So what do you look like hurting them back, this empty person? That's like you... Uh, fist fighting a person in a wheelchair because they rolled over your foot. Yeah, they hurt you. Yeah, they, they, they use what they had, but they're not strong enough to get up and really knock you out like you could do them. So I always thought myself, if I respond, Naja, if you respond to this, this is like you fighting a first person that's in a wheelchair. It's not fair because you have tools to crush this person. So this is where I had to be very strong and use some of my own principles about being kind and turning the other cheek. And when they hit me in that other cheek, then I can step back and call the cops. Um, you know, you gotta do things to, to protect yourself. But I would always say, um, ask yourself, is it worth, I always ask myself, Naja, is this worth ruining your entire day? Because you know, mm-hmm. once you get dragged into one of those text fights or phone conversations, 
they've won because you feel so dirty afterwards. You feel dirty. You're like, why? Especially if they make you say some nasty things because now they can play the victim. Now they can, maybe they can let the kids hear it or they can show their friends what you said or post it on social media. They will do this. So you cannot give them any weapons by which to turn around and make you look like you're the narcissist. Can't do it. I always said, um, don't engage. That's my, that's my second principle. Don't engage. And if I do engage, it's always as a coach. Mm. I understand. You know, my, my thing, one of my favorite lines is, I understand how you could see things that way because I can't, I can understand how a high conflict person would see that I am an evil being because of their perception. I understand your perception. So I understand how you could see things that way. However, do you mind try looking at it like this? And one thing a high conflict person does is they want a reaction out of you. So they'll let you talk. Just Mm. speak in a very low tone like I'm doing now because then they have to shut up and listen. You see, when you're quiet, people have to listen. And so that's what I do. I speak in very slow, monotone, um, warm voice. And I feel it with love because it really is all love. Hate to sound corny, but it's just straight up love for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That really, just really applicable and relevant, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, it's so simple, but you're right. Just stopping and ask, I feel like if I was to just stop and ask myself to, or just say, like, don't, don't be a jerk. And I love how you twisted it in like, you know, it, it wouldn't be fair to be a jerk right now. You know, this person is um, handicapped. Yeah, you could almost emotionally like, handicapped. They are. Yeah, right. not to insult them, but they're they're just not capable of responding differently. So, mm-hmm. you know, just let them respond how they respond. That's where they're at. They might they might stay there the rest of their lives, and you can't force them out of that. So that's just their thing. They're handicapped, just like you said. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it would be stupid. It'd be worthless and 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 yeah, unhelpful for me to like respond in the same way. So I love that. It's a really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, this might be the same question worded differently. It might be completely different. But what do you find, Naja, is like a common trap that you find your clients or other divorced or co-parenting individuals falling into when it comes to co-parenting? What do you see continuously goes wrong? What's a common trap that they fall into? Um, What continuously goes wrong in in co-parenting and divorce? Um, I see a lot of guilt on both sides mm. a lot of guilt. like um you know both parents may uh, have contributed to the dissolution of the situation or if you're co-parenting and you were never in a relationship with the person but boom you got this kid that you got to raise um mm. you're responsible for that and so there's guilt over oh my god i'm not raising my kid in a two-parent household yeah. or there's guilt over i know that i did some things to ruin that marriage and now it's dead and gone and that person has moved on and they're never coming back. But many times I see guilt, people are failing to acknowledge and accept their own guilt and responsibility. And so they cover it with a shroud of resent and contempt. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I see that happens a lot. You know, guilt becomes this ugly, gooey, sticky, smelly thing because people just simply cannot say, I was wrong and I'm going to do the work to accept where my life is now, accept where it is today. I made my bed. I I got a lie in it. You know, this is just what it is. Um, So I see see parents getting caught up in guilt for sure. For sure. I see parents, I see people that are not over the pain of the divorce 
Um, I think I mentioned this already, but I see them not doing the work to get over it before they start a new relationship. Hmm. I see a lot of people, you know, smack dab in the middle of divorce proceedings or separation happening. And they're like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go over here. And then you bring in another person into your crap. And so it's probably going to be high conflict, you know, if you've done that. But then yet and still, how, how long, um, then it means you have to acknowledge the other person's feelings. Um, I created this system. It's called the ACE system. And it's something that I tell all co-parents to, to do. I even make my clients make it their screensaver for like a week. It's ACE. Mm. It's acknowledgement, acceptance, engagement, compassion, and empathy. Um, mm. You know, when I go on to describe what each of those things mean based on the person's situation. And if you inject these things into your, the fiber of your being, into every thought that you have, especially every interaction with your step-parent, then you will at least know how to have a healthy conversation. Because it's hard. Like, you were once with this person, and now you got to look at them living their separate life. And you, you have to, oh, also, you got to not raise a serial killer. Like, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is. yeah it's, it's a hard job. But I see a lot of people failing miserably at that because they are not, um, you know, use the ACE method. I, I, you know, every, just you guys can show it on the screen or whatever. Use the ACE method. It'll help you a lot. That's awesome. Yeah. Acknowledgement. That's big. Yeah. Acknowledgement is big. Um, I, I think so often, that's all we're often digging for. We just love to get from the person. It's yeah. just acknowledgement. And, and we don't realize that we're attached to it and digging for it in unhealthy ways but so many of us would just be stopped in our tracks and silenced and put at ease if the person would just acknowledge um and honor something about us or something that we did and or or even yeah whatever so they're probably never going to do that like you're never going to get they're never going to say oh you're a great parent because some people are are unable to acknowledge your strengths because they feel like it it kind of shines a light on their weaknesses right and you know we you got to be okay you have to be like that you got to accept the fact that they might not you know ace is you know two two, there's two a's for a reason acknowledgement and acceptance like you got to accept a lot of stuff when you're in this life if you want to be okay yeah that's really good that's funny because our last question is usually i don't know i don't think we need to ask it but usually at the end (laughs) we always wrap up with What's, you know, if you were to summarize, you know, the heart of your, your message into just one action for people, because we like to make it highly, you know, action oriented, um, what would it be? But it sounds like ACE is really it. That's, and we'll make sure if, if we can remember, I'm going to put a note here that we, yeah. to get that up on the page for this video, you guys, yeah. so that, you know, just scroll down, you guys who are listening, uh, scroll down, you'll see the steps for ACE there on the page so that yeah. you guys can quickly get to that and maybe just copy it and paste it into your phones or whatever. Make sure you're using it because I, I really think it would be huge. Um, no, well, I'll send you guys a, um, I'll send you guys a meme that I send my clients so everyone okay. watching can just put it on their phone. Perfect. I love that. I love yeah. it. I heard this two, two to three days ago and it stood out to me. And it's like you've heard it before, but it just stood out and it's really relevant to what we're talking about. But it's if there's anything you want to receive, give it away. Yeah. If you want to receive acknowledgments, give acknowledgments. If you want to receive, yeah. you know, gratitude from somebody else, then be grateful. And, and that really stands out to me. And I'm like, yeah, I feel, I don't feel honored or acknowledged as, as a stepmom, someone who's raising someone's kids and loving someone else's kids. But am I acknowledging her? Am right. I honoring her? And 
honestly not not as often as I would like to receive it. So yeah. that's something that I could really be doing. You know who job is. You know um, who made you a stepmom though. That's that's what I had to ask myself because you know I was getting visceral like just this hatred, and I was like, Naja, who made you a stepmom? Your husband did. My first priority is to be his wife and mm-hmm. to take care of the things that he comes along with, and that means yeah. the children who are I call them my stepchildren, bonus children, you know, whatever term you guys want to use. Um, yeah. So I found that if I wait on a woman to acknowledge me for bathing her children, cooking for them, showing them what romantic love for their father means, then I'll be waiting all damn day. I'll be waiting. But my husband does a great job at acknowledging me as a step parent because yeah. it's a thankless job. Um, you, you're totally volunteering for this job. It's mm-hmm. thankless, um, but your spouse has to be the one to really acknowledge you. If you're waiting on that other person in another household who doesn't even see the hard work, they don't see you kissing their kids' boo-boos. They don't see yeah. you um, going to the grocery store just so you can buy uh, the ingredients for the muffin that their child, their child likes. They don't see that stuff. Your spouse, mm-hmm. though, you got to look for that. You got to look for love where, where it's full. You know, his, his cup should be full. His or her cup should be full. And um, yeah. I teach people that because you're probably never going to get acknowledgement from another person unless they're very healthy and you guys have transformed into a positive co-parenting, co-mothering situation. Yeah. But that's an action that the bio parent can take is acknowledge your spouse. <laughs> acknowledge your spouse. Who's you have to. You yeah. gotta. Yeah. Because they don't have to do a thing for your kids, honey. Like, your spouse, your partner signed up to marry your behind. I'm so, when people say, oh my God, your stepmom, stop whining. You signed up for this. Yeah. I signed up to be a wife. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I signed paperwork to be a wife. If you want to be technical about it, there's no legal paperwork I have with my stepchildren's name on it. So I didn't sign anything, actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, um, we have to be very careful how we word things to people and how we try to shame them into certain things when we just, um, we have this one view of it. Mm-hmm. By being a wife, that means I'm going to be good to everything that my husband touches. And I'm going to love, I do love my stepchildren because they are, they came from him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, beyond that, you know, I tell people, buzz off. Yeah. Stay <laughs> Find yourself a lane and stay comfortably in that, you know, and let me stay in mine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that. That's a good point. I, the idea of, you know, you signed up for it, you're obligated to it, that it almost implies that you don't need to be acknowledged for doing it. Yeah. Um, exactly. Or you're forced to do it, but you're not being forced to do it. So like you said, it, it, you vo- you're voluntarily doing it because you love them and that needs to be, it, it should, it deserves acknowledgement, put it that way. It deserves it the acknowledgement. Whether or not you get it, like you said, you might not get it. Don't expect it and don't make it contingent on the acknowledgement or else you'll stop doing it because you might not get the acknowledgement. Just do it because you want to. Um, and But when you are someone who can offer the acknowledgement, by all means, because the person deserves it. Too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I love it. Thank you. Well, mm-hmm. being that you gave so much impl- implementation-focused advice today and tips, like there's four or five things that people can walk away yeah. doing. I mean, I love, I love the word pictures that you gave because yeah. I'm very uh, visual. And so the wheelchair and yeah. the bees, and like, yeah. I can actually visualize it and I can use that in my day to day. So I really 
thank you for that. Yeah. And um, I know that other people are able to just like have that word picture in their mind and it will really aid them in those tough times. So yeah. I think that's really, really great. Yeah. And um, just to wrap up, Naja, I know that you so generously are giving away an amazing free gift and I wanna hand it over to you real quick and so you can describe what that is to everybody. Okay, so there's a lot of people that um, from all walks of life in every facet of their blending or not blending situation and they need tools and resources. So what I do, what my team does, we scour the internet for all sorts of eBooks. We have co-parenting eBooks. We have a parenting plan for those of you guys that may not be able to afford an attorney. Um, so we'll have a free one on there. Um, there's like a, there's a big library, a big database of eBooks that we have. You know how in court when they force you to take that parenting class and you're like, oh my God, I hate it. We got that book too. So that's <laughs> free, but, um, there's like 20 or 30, but we're constantly updating every week. You know, when we find a good resources, resource that'll help you guys, um, we put them all in one place, and so I'm giving that to you guys. You can um, take what you need from it, and you'll have all you have lifetime access to it. Wow! That is awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for that. That's yeah. incredible. Woo! I told y'all that was good, right? I told you it was good. So I will hear, see, talk to you next week in a few days. Please be sure to subscribe on every single platform so you don't miss the premiere episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. I love you so much. I really do. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm, I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. Naja Hall.